You're listening to the Regeneration Rising podcast, a podcast from the Kavira Coalition about the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of agrarians in the United States. Each episode will explore what it means to work in regenerative agriculture, how people came to choose this as their livelihood, and why it's important to them and the future. We hope to build a foundation for a strong community of future agrarians and land stewards with a regenerative approach to community, relationships, and the land. and welcome back to Regeneration Rising. I'm Taylor Mulia, and we are recording here in mid-October 2023. It's gearing up to be quite a busy fall season here at the Kibera Coalition. Um, Before we get started with our interview, I wanted to just highlight that the Regenerate Conference is coming up in a few weeks. If you haven't purchased your ticket already, please join us on November 1st through 3rd in Santa Fe, New Mexico. The Regenerate Conference brings together American Grass-Fed Association, Kibera Coalition, and Holistic Management International. And we really gather folks from all over the United States to talk about microbial soil communities, to social relationships and markets, to our changing climate and everything in between. And we also have a special beginning farmer and rancher uh, career connections, opportunity, and job fair on November 2nd in the evening, as well as a social co-hosted by the National Young Farmers Coalition. So that should be a really special aspect of the conference, and we hope to see you there. So on to today's episode, I'm interviewing for the first time a new agrarian program mentor as a solo guest on the podcast, but she's actually also a beginning rancher herself. Um, my guest is Lena Jansen. She is the beef program coordinator at the Home Ranch in Clark, Colorado. I spent about a half day working with Lena this last summer, and I loved working with her. I really appreciated. She just has this can-do attitude and an incredible knowledge of horsemanship, so I thought she'd be a great guest. Um, she and her boss, Michael Moon, will be hiring an apprentice for the 2024 season, and so if you are interested and you like what you hear, feel free to apply. Our applications for next season open November 1st and close December 15th, and you can find that information at kiveracoalition.org slash newagrarian. And speaking of applications opening soon, we have a few online events that will help you in preparation for applying for the program. If you haven't caught one of our NAP 101 calls, we have one more after, I believe, after the release of this episode. So there's one on October 16th, but if you missed that, it's A-OK. We will have the recording on our website. We also have another one on November 14th at 12 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time. And that is a great opportunity for you to learn about all the sites in our program and to learn more about sort of the nuts and bolts and details of what the program entails. And additionally, we will be hosting a tips and tricks for applying webinar. Um, myself and uh, my coworker, Lucas Sampson, up in the Northern Plains, will be hosting a webinar outlining best practices for applying to the program, how to create an application that is very desirable, and how to land the apprenticeship at the sites that you're hoping to work for. So I hope you'll join us for that. It's on November 9th, 6 to 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time, and that is virtual. And you can find information for all these events at kibiracoalition.org slash events. Okay, well, thanks for joining us today. On to our interview. Um, here's Lena Jansen. I hope you enjoy. Mm-hmm. 
Lena, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Yes. Happy to be here. So can you tell us first, where are you calling in from? I am calling from Clark, Colorado, um, which is in Northwest Colorado, about 30 minutes outside of Steamboat Springs. Awesome. And you guys are getting your, is this your first snow tonight? First snow of the fall tonight. Yes. Nice. Nice. It's so crazy. The growing season up there is so different, but it's exciting. I'm kind of jealous that you get to kind of hopefully rest a little bit once the snow comes in. <laughs> it, does, it does allow it to slow down. Different, yeah. different work. So you're a mentor in our program. Um, we've known each other for a little while now, but I'd love to just for the listeners get a little bit more of your background. So can you tell us a little bit about sort of where you grew up? And I always like to hear what were you like as a kid? I grew up in Charlottesville, Virginia, definitely like true suburban neighborhood, but there was a horse barn at the entrance to our neighborhood. And as a kid, I just begged my parents to let me start taking lessons and eventually got to start riding and then working at that boarding barn. And that was just where I spent all my time as a kid um, through high school. I just loved to work outside, haul the horses hay and water and ride anytime outside of school that I could. Oh, and did you have any family members that were into agriculture or horses at all? Or is it just kind of out of nowhere? Out of nowhere. I was just obsessed. (laughs) My parents um, were in our professors. And so they were totally uninvolved. And they would they would come around to the barn and like hold my horse for a minute. But it was not it was totally just out of the blue that I, I wanted to do it so much. What were you like in high school? Did you have, were you interested in any other like extracurriculars? Were you, did, or was it pretty much just horses? <laughs> I, I ran cross country and track. I love just like moving my body and being mm-hmm. outside. And I think that's why a lot of the barn work, honestly, maybe even more than the horse, like truly just working with the horses was why I got so much inspiration out of it. Mm-hmm. I just loved like getting through the workday carrying the, at the time I, you know, it's not like I was huge and I would just love carrying the five gallon buckets down the barn aisle way. And I, as a kid, I was just like obsessed with like making the work more efficient. I'd be like, Oh, chores took me three hours this morning. Like, could I do it in two hours and 40 minutes tomorrow? <laughs> and just like making the barn. Like I just love to like keep a, a tidy space and the barn community was pretty cool, I guess, as well. They they were, had a ton of lessons and a ton of borders. And so it was also just an awesome community to spend my time with. Um, mm. So I was there, yeah, after school all the time, hanging out with my friends. We'd ride, we'd look after the horses and then head on home at the end of the day. So I, if I understand correctly, you moved to Colorado when you were pretty young. So was that right out of high school? Well, I graduated high school and took a job at the home ranch where I'm currently at, which at the time was a high-end guest ranch. And so I was hired on as a wrangler, which meant Mm -hmm. looking after the horse horde and mostly leading trail rides. And so I did that right when I was 18 and was just out here originally for the summer before I went back to university in Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was ruined though, after that first summer in Colorado back at school, like all I could think about was getting back, was getting back out here. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I'd always been an outdoorsy kid, but I'd never really like hiked and camped and like truly been in the mountains. And I just fell in love with it out here in Clark. Yeah. 
So did you end up finishing university or did you kind of ditch early because you loved it out here? I finished university. I would just come out here um, in summers in between and went to school for anthropology and food sustainability. And while I was out at school, I, I'd always sort of cared about good food and like how, how, how did we feed ourselves in like in a way that wasn't detrimental to the land. Mm -hmm. Um, and so while I was in school, I started to, it started to really raise the question of like, okay, what would good meat, like what goes into all that? And like, do I believe it can happen? I, at that point when I was in college, I'd been a vegetarian for close to 15 years. Um, and so I, I just, I never really believed in beef, but as just like my little bit of exposure working out at the home ranch, yes, it was a horse job, but we had a small resident cow herd that we'd, we'd move them around and the guests would be able to sort them and work on them. And so I, it started to really raise the question of like, okay, how do I believe that, that beef is bad, which is what I'd been like truly just learning in school and been exposed to my, you know, for years in Virginia. Yeah. I know. I feel like that conversation is really not, I, I had the same experience at um, university. It was very much like a very um, settled debate. <laughs> like if you're a environmentalist, you're a vegetarian. And so it also blew my mind. I was like, what? I totally wrote this off. Like I didn't even give it a chance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's why like once I finished school and I was back out at the home ranch working this working after I graduated, I started to really question how much I felt like I could stand behind that. I was like, I kind of wanted, I want to do my own research about what, what I've just been like reading papers about and hearing lectured to me. And like, I really want to, I want to see if I can stand behind this argument of let's, let's limit our, our meat consumption. Yeah. And at that time, right after graduation, um, the home ranch actually closed its doors as a guest ranch and was reopening as a cattle operation. And so I ended up taking an apprenticeship at a place in California that was kind of like on the forefront of regenerative ranching and just sort of dove headfirst into seeing how that played out and like seeing if I could stand behind it and um, what I thought about like all that went into having cows on the land and if we could, if we could do some good with it. Hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like the home ranch changed a lot over the years. And then you also like your role at it changed a lot. So, you know, you're mostly doing rides for guests and stuff like that at the beginning. And what does your job look like now? So now um, we still have a pretty decent sized horse herd. Um, So my job is partly looking after them. Um, Partly it's all the things like goes into moving the cows, cow working days, pasture management, electric fencing and all that. And then partly um, the beef program, which we started, Homer started marketing its own beef a couple years ago. So just organizing processor dates and finishing cows and all that. So it's a pretty varied job now compared to what I originally came out to this property to do. And, and I love the variety. It's like allowed me to really like those are really my three main interests in ranching and I get to do them all. And I definitely feel pretty lucky that my job descriptions. So Michael Moon is your supervisor and he's actually been a friend of Kivira for a long time. And he's been in the Colorado ranching community for a long time. Can you talk about sort of your relationship? It sounds like 
he's sort of been a mentor for you and has just kind of shaped a lot of what the home ranch does. So yeah, can you talk about your relationship? Yeah, I worked for Michael back when it was a guest ranch, and then he has stayed on now that it's a cattle operation. Um, So he's just known me for a lot of years here, um, which there's just like something special about that. And I've, I've learned so much from him as a mentor because he truly better than like anyone I've ever met can think so holistically about how an operation is run. And it, while something might seem like a really obvious solution to me, I'll be chatting about it with him and he'll be like, well, did you think about that repercussion or what that might mean in two months from now? Which it's just like an impressive skill that he has to really slow down and think something through. Yeah, just truly so holistically. And he's got an, an impressive way about like having faith you will get something done. And, mm. but also like really giving you the space to, to mess up because you're going to be the one to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I just think like that's given me like a lot of like confidence in myself of like, okay, even if I don't know how to do it, he knows I'll like use the resources around me or him or whoever to figure it out. And it, it, mm-hmm. it, it truly has given me a lot of confidence. Do you feel like that was something that was sort of natural to him? I think one aspect of mentorship that I find really fascinating is like passing the threshold through sort of like just having somebody like giving directions and then getting to the point where you're sort of passing more into like, I'm going to challenge them. Like I'm going to sort of ask how they would do it and maybe let them see if that worked and we'll all see the consequences. And that's when the real learning happens. So did you feel like you felt that switch or kind of, was it always like that? Yeah, I think, I think it's also that he he sort of upped what was expected of me as I gained skills in like a pretty natural way, which I also think is like an impressive ability of a mentor. But I think it was, yeah, maybe exactly what you're saying. He was good about like, he's good about saying, here's your final goal of like what needs to happen and then gives you the space to, to get there rather than what's like, I think a little more typical is people try to like lay out every step that needs to happen and give you no room to, to solve it yourself. Mm -hmm. So I also want to talk about too, I mean, you've been at the home ranch, sounds like on and off for close to a decade, which is just really rare for people who are, you're still in your twenties. So like how many people can say that they've been affiliated with one job for almost a decade? So yeah, like what, what's it been like to stay at a place for so long? Yeah, I truly just love this plot of land and I love Clark so much. And I just think to me, like the community that I establish in a place is like crucial to like how I can give it so much time. And I think, I think it takes at least five years to really get like the community that I think most of us strive for. I mean, I, I, of course, like, no, you can make, make friends and good coworkers in a much shorter span of time, but I think to truly like have that diverse and broad community you want. I really do think it just takes a lot of dedication to a place. And it's just, oh, it's the same reason I worked at that boarding barn for, you know, tons of years growing up. I just think I really appreciate like getting to know a place inside and out and really like round out the people I know. And, and I just think there's a lot of value in like knowing the land and know when the rain comes, that spring's going to be doing really good for a few extra days. And 
I just think that takes so much time to really get there. Yeah. And I think like maybe you miss out on like the thrill of newness, but I think to me, the contentment and enjoyment I get out of knowing a place in a community is, is worth that trade-off. That's huge. I feel like we've talked about this in person before, like a lot of our apprentices sort of hop from place to place and there's so many opportunities and you can do so much travel and go to see who you want to be, like who, where you want to be. You know, I think that's so enticing to a lot of young people, but yeah, I mean, what keeps you there? Like, I mean, you said like the landscape and, but I mean, when, when it got hard, like, did you have a point where you were like, man, it is hard to make community here. Like, did you ever have those stumbling blocks? For sure. Um, I think part of the reason I, I was able to, I have been able to commit to this place for close to a decade on and off is that I did take that time to kind of travel around. I did like work away riding jobs abroad and, you know, some other stuff. So I think it like this place was always in the back of my head of like, oh, but that's where I want to be home at. And so I, I do think on some level, like maybe you do need to bounce around to to figure that out. And maybe I was just lucky that I found this place really early on that I knew was always going to be the base I was going to return to. But I think, yeah, there was definitely spans when the, the community would come and go. I, I had some awesome coworkers that would be here for a little bit and then they would move on. And sometimes that part for sure is hard, but that's why I think you, you just broaden it, broaden your community outwards. Like I have a, a buddy who I took on his first horseback ride eight years ago. And now he is leasing land and running his own cattle and beef program down the street. And I just think like, I just think you, you kind of just like you power through Mm -hmm. and you like meet those people that like really matter. And then, and then maybe it's the Clark store worker that's now known you for so many years. And I just think you put in the time and those little connections of the people you've known for so many years pay off even when maybe some of like the deeper best friendships come and go. I kind of feel like that about Cubera too. I've been here for about two and a half years and I've sort of bounced around so much before then. And all of a sudden I'm coming to the conference and it's, um, it's like all of a sudden it hits you. And you're like, man, I mean, two and a half, two, that's not very, that's not very long, but you see things happen where you're like, oh my gosh, you used to be an apprentice. Or like, oh, I saw you go through this incredible transformation and there's sort of this like deep gratification of like a, of of knowing people for a longer period and just seeing that story evolve. I yeah, I understand. Even if it's like the person that works at the grocery store, yeah, and you just have seen them for many years. Yeah, exactly. Like seeing the faces of everyone, it is yeah, exactly that. It's super gratifying, and I do think maybe there, maybe it was just lucky, like I said, because outside of just my home ranch coworkers, I do have like a pretty incredible town friend crew mm. um, that weirdly everyone met working back here when it was seasonal jobs and they decided to move to Steamboat to stick around. And so again, we we even joke about it to this day, 10 years later that like, why did we all stick around? Like every, no one's in, not all those people are in ranching but we yeah. all decided to like prioritize being here. And we're like, was it the home ranch? Was it just this town? But um, hmm. yeah, I do think, yeah, there's power to just sticking around, like prioritizing sticking around your people. 
And yeah, tell us more about what it's like to live up there. I don't think a lot of people get to live in such a stunning place. Um, it's, but it also comes with, you know, you guys are really high elevation. You're mountainous. You're also a really tourist town. You know, you're close to a really tourist economy, which can be challenging in some ways and then awesome in other ways. So yeah, tell us about where you live. Like, what are the people like? What's it like living there? Clark itself is a very small little ranching town. So I do feel super lucky that I live up here. And so I can give some distance away from the hustle and bustle of Steamboat if I don't want to partake in going to town. But I actually love the Steamboat community. Um, It's a pretty young crowd um, of really just people who love to play outside. And like in high water season, there's everyone you ever met in town is out on their rafts taking laps through town or obviously ski season everyone's on the mountain so I love I love that everyone here just like really loves to play outside and I I sort of inserted myself into the steamboat community um I picked up on my day off from the ranch I I work at a cute local brewery in town and that's just like my way to get out to town and like really feel like I have a little bit of a place I had, I once had someone say, you have a A spot, which is home, a B spot, which is your workplace. And like, what's your C spot? And that, that brewery has sort of become that. Um, it's like that third, third little place that I feel like I have. Yeah. Have a, have a community in. Yeah. And it's such a different work than what you're doing on the ranch that it's like, kind of, it's like fun. Cause you're like, Oh, I love going around and like making this place beautiful and like put, making everything clean again and making people happy. And yeah, it's a, so I totally get that. It's kind of a different side of your brain that you're using. Yeah, exactly that. Nice. Nice. So yeah, let's go, let's go back to your, so your position at the home ranch, you know, you're balancing a lot. What, what's, and you said that one of the best aspects of your job is the fact that it is multidimensional. Um, but what's another sort of highlight? Like, what's your favorite part about your job? I mean, I think if I like truly simplified it down to like, what is like when I'm going through a season, like what are the moments that feel like where I feel the most gratitude? It's probably the 6 a.m. mornings with the coworkers when we're all saddling up our horses and drinking coffee and about to go move cows. Like that feeling to me is why I do it. And again, it's like partly the coworker crew. It's partly being outside in a beautiful place at sunrise. And it's partly that I'm sitting on a horse when I do it. But those, those moments are like what truly like give me the inspiration of why I do it. Yeah. But I love, I truly love trying to like get better at my stockmanship and work cows. Like to me, corral sorting days and anything where we're like doing something technical with the cows. I love it. Like really fuels me. And when, especially because of the horsemanship aspect too, like when you get to have a horse that's like really on board with you and like trying to do the job and help you out, that to me is like such an incredible feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And going back to like knowing the property, a lot of what I do is planning the pasture moves and like tracking how it looks before and after and just forage assessment stuff. And so I do love being like, okay, like I know I hit that pasture a little bit hard, like the cycle before. So I kind of want to change it up and graze out a little later in the season or something like that. So like that sort of structure and care for the land and like seeing a meadow look really good, like that also just brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. On the flip side, what, what would you say is the most challenging thing that you have to balance? 
Well, the first thing that comes to mind is definitely just winter <laughs> up oh, here. Yeah. Um, we keep the horses here and then a certain amount of the cows hang out here for the winter. And so simply just keeping gates shoveled out and troughs exposed when it's snowing for 20 days straight is for sure like a, <laughs> a challenge when you just you wake up and you're freezing the whole entire day. Yeah, we had a rough, yeah, I was talking to you this year because we had Colorado had a rough winter this year. And so I think you were, you were pretty tired this spring. You're like pretty ready for that green grass by the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. This winter more than most for sure. You know, you're, you're a mentor in our program. You are the youngest mentor, I think, uh, which is really cool. I think it's, it's pretty remarkable though, because you've been at a place for longer than a lot of people have been at their jobs, uh, much older than you. So you know, you kind of got your feet under you this first year with your first apprentice. What What's your favorite part about being a mentor in the in the NAP program? I really just loved watching our apprentice like come in with like a certain level of horse and riding experience and just with like what didn't even feel like maybe that much training um or teaching now the apprentice is like riding through the forest by themselves all day like hopping over downfall and searching for cows and I just think there's something really cool about it's just taught me a lot that okay if you just take like a little bit of time to show and teach yes there's like plenty of nuance like getting really skilled at that but like for the most part people can then go do it and that's really cool I think sometimes it feels sort of daunting and like it's a little too much to learn or too much to pass off. And I think with The Apprentice this year, I've really been like, okay, no, I think if, if you just plan to show them, for the most part, people can can go get something done pretty quick. Um, and that's been really cool. And just we, we have like a whole a, a barn to look after. And so The Apprentice and I will sometimes alternate days off and having them look after the barn when I'm away and just like, I don't have to worry for a second that things are going to be sorted because they've just been exposed to it. They've done it and you can trust them to get it done. Is like, it's a pretty cool feeling too. And is there anything that has been surprising to you as you've gone through your first year of mentorship? Thinking about how much of your day when you're communicating it to someone else is sort of bustly. <laughs> I think in my head, it seems sort of obvious, like, oh, I'll go from point A here to point B. And these are the the eight things we need to get done today. And then when you are starting the day and communicating that to someone, you're like, okay, that's a, that's a bit all over the place. Um, so <laughs> working on like, okay, one, how to dial that in or like how to communicate in a way that's not as confusing to mm-hmm the apprentice or your coworker, whoever it is that, that you're sharing the day with. Cause I think when it's just yourself, it's sort of, you just bounce around through your list. But w- when you're dragging someone else into it, I think you can, I definitely need to work on like being a little bit more streamlined and how I communicate it or how we delegate the tasks. Yeah, totally. Cause I think it all makes sense in your mind. Cause you're seeing the big picture and all the moving pieces, but you've got someone who just showed up and they're like, I don't even know anybody's name. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly that. I would love to know like what, now that you've sort of been on both sides of, well, you're, you're obviously going to be learning for a long time, but you've been sort of the apprentice side and now you're the mentor side. What's one piece of advice that you would share with an apprentice or a beginning agrarian? 
the one piece of advice I would say is figure out like what it is within ranching, which is like what truly is going to drive you or like what you're passionate about. I think it's like often easy to be like, oh, well, I just want to like see and do it all. And it's like, I think there's a lot of operations out there that are that do things way differently or have different priorities and like figure out what it is about it that you actually care about. Like, is it the grass rotation sides side of things? Is it the cowboying side of things? And try to find a spot that meets that rather than just being like walking into any ranching operation. And I think also think about like your skill set as a worker or a coworker. Like if you're someone who wants a bigger team, like, like at the home ranch, there are places where that, that does exist. And that's something that really has drawn me to staying here. It's like, I like that having a whole big coworker crew while there's some places that it's going to be you and one other guy. So I think, I think, think about that and like, don't feel like you need to just fit in like what the, the box of like a, a rancher is. I think you can design it a little bit more than we sometimes give it credit for. And I think also like what are good skill sets you bring to the table, like try to advocate for yourself in that job position. Like if you're someone who you feel like you're really observant, like advocate to be the one to go do the herd checks and like look for animal health issues. Or if you're the one who's like good on a computer and keeping track of numbers, like even as a beginning agrarian, be like, I'm going to be the one to keep track of numbers. And like, do you mind if I like write down all our grazing dates and like the boss can turn to you when he needs to remember what day you moved out of the pasture. I think we can like bring a lot more value and like fill in the gaps in a job, even when you're starting out more than we think, rather than just like sitting back and letting the job be taught to you. That's such a good piece of advice because there are so many things that are not rocket science, but they're, they are contained. Like, oh, I'll write the numbers down for you and, and put them into the system. Or like, I'll take care of, yeah, like this rune particular thing. It also creates this like, yeah, it creates this sense of like, oh, that person is really good at that thing. And they're like actually a really valued member of the team now because they did a really good job at that. And we don't even have to think about that anymore. Right, exactly. Like you don't necessarily need to, especially starting out, be like the best all arounder. Like I do think like we can each, even when you're like at an entry level of a job, like bring in, like on some level, I think then then the job title sort of gets assigned to you of like what mm. what value you bring. And so, yeah, I think that would be my, my biggest piece of advice. That's great. Yeah, that actually spurred a couple more questions that I now have. You know, you were saying like, you like being in a, in a larger team. What are some of the lessons that you've learned in being a good coworker, like being a good teammate? I really enjoy like having like my coworkers, like be like I, even Michael, even my boss, I guess. Like I, I think there's like something really fun about just like being able to sort of like banter with your coworkers and like make the job fun and not always take it so seriously. Mm. And so I think even when things like, yes, there's going to be moments that like, it would be quite a bummer if things got messed up <laughs> on that level. Like, you know, don't let things slip through the cracks. But I do think like there's something you can really like keep the group dynamic positive if you can just kind of be the one to, to keep it lighthearted, to keep everybody communicating, to to not let like things get too serious or ego get in the way. I think mm -hmm. that's when like things make a downfall or the job starts to feel not that pleasant or 
the cow moves getting frustrating. But if you guys can just sometimes like shoulder shrug and smile at each other when the job's getting a little bit, a little bit messy, I think at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter how, if it took an extra hour, like at least you guys were, were like feeling like a team about it and not resenting each other. Uh, You like came out of it intact. Yeah. Yeah. I also think this is maybe a silly one, but I really think like sharing like a coffee moment together with your coworkers, like at a team meeting you guys are having, or like before you got, like I was saying, like before you're saddling up the horses in the morning, I think like something about just like sharing that moment, like really keeps the energy of the day, keeps the energy of the day better. It just Mm -hmm. like really makes it that you guys are like all doing it together rather than like showing up late and scrambling or I've had like before where someone like a even a supervisor too yeah comes out and it's like checking on you but didn't do, didn't make the time in the morning to like even ask how you were doing they just kind of showed up midday and was like is the job done yet you know it's like oh even if you have the best of intentions like that dynamic sucks so bad and so but like if that same person had in the morning yeah, just like checked in with you and just been like, yeah, it's fine if we take 20 minutes to just chill out and have coffee and, you know, kick tires and just, you know, catch up. That's huge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And lastly, I'd say just coworker things. I think just planning, like, I think if you are organized in your agenda and you take the extra time, like, like I said, we're a bigger operation. So sometimes that's a lot of phone calls throughout a week, but if you can take that time to like really communicate like the dates you have in your head or the tasks that need to happen, it just like allows the whole team to run more efficiently and not feel like, oh, well, if I had known that, you know, you needed to move the cows that day, maybe I would have switched this task around. So I think yes. really taking the time to, for you to calendar plan and then to communicate that clearly to everyone else who might be involved. Maybe they actually aren't that involved, but even just knowing it's going on that that to me is like a huge, really just like a respect thing to your coworkers. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. And another question that I had too, is like you, you grew up in the horse world and we have a lot of apprentices that didn't, and they're sort of finding that it is a really valuable skill, job skill for ranching. And maybe they're not, maybe they are super passionate about it, but maybe they're not. And they just are curious about how to learn more and how to like, just like be better with horsemanship. Like, how would you recommend them going about that? I mean, I, I don't want to say like me growing up, like I, I did plenty of lessons and like had formal training when I was a kid, which definitely was super valuable. But really, I think like in the ranching world now and like what what the horse skills needed in my day to day, I really just think it's hours in the saddle, um, mm-hmm. which I think for some people is like a hard thing to hear because it's like, oh, well, but I want to be cowboying yesterday. <laughs> but yeah. I think the more you can get on a horse, the better. Um, so like I said, I, I obviously didn't want to always pay for lessons. It is an expensive thing to get into. So I work away abroad a lot and just led trail rides or like you can work at barns, even, you know, like around where you're living. Like if you can volunteer at a barn and it takes a lot of the background work to be able to sit on the horse. And I think that's okay. And if people aren't willing to do that, you probably shouldn't be riding. So like maybe it means you help clean stalls to be able to hack someone's horse for an hour a day. But I just think the, the more you can get on the back of a horse, the better. And within that, like to actually be involved with the cow side of things, like work on your stockmanship on the ground or like there's really awesome horse training videos about working cows. And I think, I think don't be scared to like do a lot of the research 
on your own at home reading a book in the evening. Like I think you can learn a lot that way if it's if it's horse skills or if it's pasture management or anything like that. Like it doesn't always have to be boots on the ground experience if you can do a little bit of reading and watching videos. Mm-hmm. Um, use that time. I guess we'll finish up here by saying that you are one of the mentors that are that are hiring for the 2024 season. So our applications open November 1st. Uh, and I wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to say a little bit more about like what kind of apprentice are you looking for this year? What are the skill sets that they might need? Maybe what is a personality type that might fit well at the home ranch? Um, yeah, we're super excited to have an apprentice again. Like I've sort of said, we do do pretty much all our cow work on horses, but you by no means have to know how to ride. It does help, but we have a ton of fencing to do. So like, I, I don't want to sell it that it's not, there's not going to be a lot of that sort of, you're going to plug in a podcast or music and be out there on the fence for days at a time. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're just excited to have someone who likes a, a you have to want to like a, a bit of a bigger a scene. We have like some construction going on at the ranch for some renovations and things like that. So we're, we're not necessarily like peaceful. You're going to see one other person in your day. Like you have to be um, sort of motivated by like the, the energy of a ton going on. But we have like a pretty awesome forest permit that we ride on and the property out on the Utah border. Um, couple hour drive away that's sort of more of our commercial cow working operation that we go out and help out at so yeah there's definitely like some true you need a little bit more like gumption riding ranching stuff to do but we also have like that kind of busier headquarters um with a whole a whole crew out and about so it's a balance for sure but if that sounds exciting to you then look into our operation yeah, sounds good. And if, if folks are interested, um, you can find our information at kibiracoalition.org. There's a locations page and there's all the participating mentor sites. So I just wanted to say, Lena, thank you so much for, for A, being a mentor in our program. We value just the time that you take and taking beginning agrarians and, and teaching them and the patients. So I want to thank you for that. But also thanks for just coming on today and sharing your story. It was really, really interesting and so enlightening. I love Uh, any little bits of lessons I get to take from you. So thanks for sharing today. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to find more information about The Home Ranch, you can see their site description on our program's website. And additionally, you can find their website is thehomeranch.com. And you can also find them on social media. Their handle is at thehomeranch. And don't forget, uh, we share educational opportunities and job postings in our newsletter. So if you're not already subscribed, go to our main webpage, kiveracoalition.org. In the upper right-hand corner, you'll find Get E-News. Um, enter your info there and get signed up. It is a fantastic newsletter and great way to stay connected to our program and our community. And if you like our show, please consider leaving a rating and a review and subscribe to our show. It really does help others find this podcast and it might even help folks find a career in agriculture, which is pretty cool. So thanks to all of you for doing that. And we hope to see you soon at the Regenerate Conference in Santa Fe. Thank you for listening to Regeneration Rising 
a podcast production of the Kavira Coalition. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and other popular podcast platforms. Become a Patreon supporter by visiting kaviracoalition.org slash podcasts. We'd like to thank Kavira staff for their contributions to this podcast. This episode was edited and engineered by Caleb Wenzel-Fisher. Wanderlust, our theme music, was made by Scott Buckley. And we're grateful for our guests taking the time to talk with us about their experiences. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the land. Thank you.